0: all right what is up guys it is thursday morning um and i want to come to you to bring us our last lesson in our first peter series so it's been a long ride a long journey but today we'll finish it out before we do um just like a few announcements as much as you could call them announcements uh, being it how i'm just talking to a phone Um, Our AIM, or not, sorry, not our AIM meetings, our Zoom meetings, uh, we're going to do small groups that we usually do on Sunday mornings. We're moving those to Zoom meetings. So the girls will meet Saturday at 6 p.m., and that'll be every week. Um, And then the guys will meet Friday um, at about 4 p.m., and that'll be every week as well. So the girls, every week, Saturday at 6 p.m., and the guys, every week, Friday at 4 p.m. Uh, we just want to use this time to uh, not neglect our small groups, uh, not, not neglect the community that we have there, and not neglect the accountability that we have there to be in the word, to be in prayer, um, and to overcome sin. Um, <clears throat> I'll send out, we'll send out links, the small group leaders will send out links, um, as well as I'll make sure I provide them for the parents as well. Uh, so that everybody can get connected to the Zoom meetings. I know that we've been using them for a lot of different church things, so a lot of you are probably already familiar with it. Uh, So that'll be good. Uh, Next, the student missions offering and our missions month. So our missions month was supposed to go throughout the whole month of April, um, starting off with our student missions offering from uh, April 1st till April 19th. Uh, We are still going to go forward with our missions month and our student missions offering. So we will break the youth group up into two teams for our student missions offering. Um, And it will be all online giving since we cannot gather together for the foreseen future. Um, It will be all online giving. Um, I am writing up a, a newsletter for the parents that has a link to our church website. And if you go to the church website and look in the top right hand corner, there's a button that says give online. You just click that. Um, And then when you are on there to select your giving type, um, you'll just click uh, other. It's a drop-down box. You just click other. And then in the memo box, you would just type in student missions offering and then whatever team they're on. So team one or team two, they'll know what team they're on. Um, So that's the way that we're going to go forward with our student missions offering. We still want to give them the opportunity to give. Um, and one of the ways that we can do that, um, and we want to encourage them that they're giving their own money. So if they have cash money, I know not a lot of them have debit cards probably, but if they have cash or you know, whatever, whatever they have, um, we figured they could give that money to you and then you can give whatever money uh, they have given you the same amount. That way it, you can give on your debit card, but you're also being reimbursed and it's actually like they are giving the money. Um, So we just thought that would be a good idea. Uh, We're bumping our goal down to $300 instead of $500, and we're still going to have the crazy um, uh, fun incentive to give of somebody, one of the small group leaders, wearing uh, a dinosaur costume and doing something funny. we'll probably end up posting a video of that on all of our social media platforms. So you won't want to miss that. I feel like I was just talking to the parents, but this is actually a video for us students. So um, whoever watches it, uh, we're going to go into our First Peter uh, study now, closing out the book. Um, and I'll be forthright um, and say that we're not going to be able to cover everything uh, that is talked about in this passage tonight. Uh, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5, the whole chapter, um, and so there is a ton of in this passage that we simply don't have time for. Um, so if you want a more detailed uh, look at the passage, um, I encourage you to go ahead and read it this week uh, in your newly found spare time um, and jot down some notes in your journal or questions that you have about the passage. Um, and if you have any questions or any anything you uh, found interesting, uh, your small group leaders are right here for you. Um, The two main things that I see in this passage uh, that Peter talks about uh, is, number one, the purpose of pastors or elders in our lives. And I'm going to use the word pastor and elder interchangeably. And when I use the word elder, if I use it, I don't mean just old people. Um, In the Bible, the word elder is another word for pastor. So that's what it's talking about. It's not just older people. Uh, Number one, that's number one, the purpose of pastors or elders in our lives. Number two, the posture of Christians' lives in the world. So if we had to title this lesson, it would be the purpose of pastors and the posture of Christians in pandemic. The purpose of pastors and elders, point number one, and the posture of Christians' lives in the world. And what we'll see from this passage is that those two two things are inextricably linked together. The purpose of pastors in our lives and the posture of our lives in the world are inextricably linked. They go together. The purpose of pastors and elders was given to aid your life in the world, your posture in the world. The purpose of pastors and elders serves your life. It helps you grow. It helps you become the man or the woman that you're supposed to be, and it helps you live how God wants you to live in the world. It serves you. It aids you. They are good for you and for your growth in Christ, especially in the midst of suffering and craziness and even pandemic like we're going through now. So I'm gonna jump into first Peter chapter five. I'll read the whole <clears throat> the whole chapter and then we'll uh then we'll move on. I got my coffee here, so <clears throat> <clears throat> And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Be sober-minded strengthen and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever amen by sylvanus or sylvanus a faithful brother as i regard him i have written briefly to you exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of god stand firm in it she who is at babylon who is likewise chosen sends you greetings and so does mark my son Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Father, we pray that we would be united together around your word, even though we are not physically united together around your word. Knit our hearts together spiritually, um, because we know that so much of Christian growth happens in community. It happens together. Everything in the Christian life is a community project. And Lord, we pray for that supernatural knitting together of our hearts and of this community at Alexander to grow us and mold us into the people that you'd have us to be. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, A pastor's purpose and a Christian's life, the posture of their lives, are linked together. Right? That's what we talked about before we read the passage. Now, the link between the pastor's purpose and the Christian's life, when life gets crazy, when life goes into pandemic, when life gets hard, when we experience suffering and confusion and questions and disorganization, which I think we could say that some of us, experiencing now the link between the pastor's purpose and the christian's life in the midst of all those things is found in the phrase so or therefore in verse one peter says so i exhort the elders among you to shepherd the flock of god and his point is that pastors must shepherd when life gets hard for christians when suffering hits when pandemic hits when hardships hit Pastors must shepherd the flock. And for, in, in 1 Peter 4, verse 13 through 19, at the end of chapter 4 there, Peter detailed Christian suffering for us. He says, <clears throat> he explains that life uh, was hard in many, many different ways for the people that Peter was writing to. If you remember from the first lesson we ever did going into this First Peter study, uh, You'll remember that they were scattered. Peter said that he was writing to uh, exiles, right? They were suffering, were about to experience suffering or an increase in suffering. And Peter's prescriptions for these circumstances include pastors who simply shepherd their flock. The application of this text is not hard for us to find in the midst of this COVID-19 crisis. Life is harder for us. Life is disorganized for us. Life is discouraging for us. Life is confusing. Many of us have been scattered to our own homes. We're away from one another as the body of Christ. Life is lonely. But God has given us shepherds to help us through these times. He has this whole thing rigged for you. When badness strikes, He has people literally designed and purposed to guide you with goodness through the badness. That's what a pastor does. That's what a shepherd does. When confusion strikes, He has people in your life, namely pastors, designed with a specific purpose to teach God's Word and God's perspective to you on these issues. That's the main function of a pastor and teacher. When you're confused, they teach. That's their job. To teach, to walk you hand in hand through Scripture to equip you with God's perspective on the various different issues that happen in life. So God has you right where He wants you. With exactly the people that he wants you to be with. He has purposed people to aid your life in the world. Trust him. Trust the Lord. And trust his shepherds as they guide you in his ways through these tough times. And in order for that to properly happen, in order for you to reap The benefits of a godly pastor and shepherd during these times. Two things need to happen. Number one is that pastors must actually shepherd as God has called them to. Pastors must actually shepherd as God has called them to. If you look at verse 2, Peter says that the elders should shepherd the flock of God that is among them, exercising oversight not under compulsion. They should do it willingly. They should do it as God, should, as God would have them. They should not do it for shameful gain. They should do it eagerly. They should do it with humility, not domineering over those in their charge. They should do it with uh, example, setting the example. Uh, they should also do it with expectation in verse 4. When the chief shepherd appears, that is Christ, they will receive the unfading crown of glory. So we can't dive into all those, but we just want to say that in order for us to reap the benefits um, of the people, of pastors that God has placed into our lives, the the first thing that needs to happen is that the pastors must actually shepherd. They must actually do some work, and they must actually do the work as God has called them to do the work. And then number two, and this one's a little bit more applicable. Um. you must rank yourself under the pastors and shepherds who are leading you. So number one, in order for you to reap the benefits of a pastor-shepherd, the pastors must actually shepherd the way that God's called them to. And number two, you must rank yourself under the pastors and shepherds who are leading you, who are in your charge. Verse five says, Likewise, You who are younger, that would be you, all of us, student ministry, right? And, I mean, really, if you look at all the the context of this, it could apply to the the church abroad as well. Likewise, but we'll apply it to us. Likewise, you who are younger, youth, be subject to the elders. That word subject in verse 5, it means to rank yourself under somebody or to line up under. It's a military term. right? You're, you're lining yourself up under the person whose service you're in. You're ranking yourself under. There's two ways that we can do that. Number one is following, follow our pastor's godly example. We already saw that pastors should be an example to their flock. The implication is that we should follow um, their example. And then number two, listen to their biblical teaching. And I already talked about Pastors' main job is to teach, right? To teach us the Word of God. So another way we can line up under our pastors and shepherds is to listen to their biblical teaching. So that's the purpose of pastors and elders in your life. um, To shepherd you through and in suffering and through and in the midst of pandemic. I just love that word, so, at the very first verse. The reason these shepherds need to shepherd is because we are in suffering. pandemic they're there for us they have the specific purpose to help us through these times number two the posture of Christians in the world the posture of Christians in the world we'll look at this from verses 5 through 14 Um, Peter switches from the purpose of pastors uh, to the posture of Christians in verse 5 and we already touched a bit On verse 5 by talking about ranking ourselves under our shepherds under our pastors Um, he really brings out the point of the posture of Christians in verses 5b so about halfway through verse 5 all the way through verse 14 Um, the posture of Christians Here's what he describes it can be described in two words two words here's the posture we're supposed to live out ready first word humility we're to be humble second word hope. We're supposed to be a humble people and a hopeful people. So let's look at humility first. We'll read verse 5b through 7. Um, He says, clothe yourselves, in the middle of verse 5, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he Cares for you. So, first we'll look at the people of humility. Notice the phrase, all of you, in verse 5. Clothe yourselves, all of you. In other words, humility has to happen together, right? It is a community project, it must happen with the entire church, including our pastors and shepherds, right? They set the example, we follow the example. So when you're in a room full of a bunch of humble people, you're going to be aided, aided in your humble humbleness. So if you want to be humble, you know the first thing you do? Find a bunch of hum- humble people. Be around them. Not right now. <laughs> Social distance right now. But when we're out, <laughs> find a bunch of humble people. But even now, talk back and forth with people that um, you have noticed have a great strand of humility. Um, befriend them even even while we're in social quarantine through way of text and stuff. And then notice the phrase, toward one another. Um, That's a really interesting phrase to me. Um, And it's interesting because it's describing not just a humility, but it's describing the type of humility that we're supposed to put on. He says, clothe yourselves, all of you, not just with humility, but clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. So it's a humility that goes toward other people, right? C.S. Lewis once said, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. Humility is um, thinking of yourself less. right?" That's the idea that Peter is getting at here. We have to think of others more than ourselves. It's a humility towards other people. We're thinking towards them. That is our mindset, our natural in Christ mindset. That's the people of humility. The position of humility. Look at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He he may exalt you. So the position of humility is that we are under the mighty hand of God. We are putting ourselves under God's mighty hand while we live on this earth, no matter what our earthly circumstances are. The point seems to be... um, Not that we know, right? He says, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. The point doesn't seem to be on the fact that we are to know uh, when we are to be exalted or how we are to be exalted. The reality is God might bless us with great earthly gifts, right? And in that way, um, in his grace being exalting us for our humility, blessing us in our humility while we're on earth but it could also be true of us that, that until heaven we, uh, we don't get to see any of that we live a life of pain and suffering and hardship with no seeming earthly blessings at all that's kind of the pattern that Christ set um, he came down to earth Uh, lived his sinless life, died, buried, rose again, and then was exalted to the right hand of God. The exaltation of Christ took time, right? That's not to say that he wasn't exalted as the Son of God on the earth, but, I mean, they killed him. There were those who believed, and God certainly vindicated him the whole time he was on earth, but they killed him. And God ultimately vindicated him um, after his resurrection. So our job is not to know when this is going to happen or to know to what extent it is it going to happen, right? Our job is to simply get under the mighty hand of God where we belong, be humble, right? And when we do that, we're not in a state of oppression because we know we have the promise of God that exaltation is coming. No matter what form it's in, no matter what time it's in, we bank on God's promise that it is coming. And so we get under his mighty hand with hope. Um, and as we do that, as we get under his mighty hand, Peter says that we ought to be casting all of our anxieties on him because he cares for us. And the word casting there means to like throw something, throw something upon somebody else. Um, all of you know that I played baseball, um, for literally my whole life. Um, I mainly played shortstop, but I also did some pitching, um, <clears throat> and when I used to pitch, me and my dad used to go up to the field, and I'd be on the mound, and I'd have a whole bucket of balls next to me, or maybe several buckets, um, and he'd be behind the plate sitting on a bucket with his catcher's mitt, and I'd be on the mound, and I'd just grab a ball, go through the wind-up, throw it, grab a ball, go through the wind-up, throw it, grab the ball, go through the wind-up, throw it, until every single ball in the bucket or every single ball in both bu- buckets was gone. Just one after the other, foom, foom, over and over and over and over again. Just throwing all the balls in my bucket to my dad. I think that's something of a picture of what's going on here. Sometimes we have a bucket of anxiety a bucket of balls full of anxiety and you know what our dad's sitting behind the plate ready to catch them so in the midst of this pandemic if there are anxieties or worries that are weighing you down reach into that bucket and start throwing them to your dad That's the picture here. He cares for you. The reality is, my dad, during those times when I was throwing all those balls to him, he could have been doing something better with his day. He could have been ranking up in his job or doing whatever he wanted to do. But he cared for me. He cared what I loved. And I loved baseball. It's the same way with God. God cares for us. So he'll sit on a bucket all day long. And catch everything that we have to throw to him. So cast our anxieties on him. That is a position of humility. Recognizing that we cannot carry this load alone load alone. So we gotta we gotta unload this. So that is <clears throat> posture number one, humility. Posture number two is hope. Posture number two is hope. And this will close out our series. The book of first Peter is filled with hope because um, it's set in suffering, it's set in hardships. Uh, and this little section right here in verses 8 through 14 is no different. So open your Bibles and we'll read through here. Verse 8 through 14, Be sober-minded, be watchful. <clears throat> your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring, roaring lion, seeking somebody to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. After you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. We'll stop there right before the closing. Um, But this word hope, right, it's something that permeates the whole book of 1 Peter um, in this section as well. Uh, First, we'll look at the awareness of hope, right? And this is a negative awareness, okay? So it's an awareness that you are against an enemy who wants to kill you. Actually, I'll rephrase that. The enemy doesn't necessarily want to kill you. He doesn't really care what happens to your physical body. He wants to kill your faith, okay? Your body's just in the way. He might put a couple of dings and dents on your body through suffering. He might bring a couple things here, a couple things there. But his goal, his game, is to destroy your faith by those things. He doesn't really care about those things in general. He's trying to use them to get to your faith. Right? Verse 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful, of your adversary, the devil. prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And we know that he's talking about the devil trying to devour our faith because Peter's encouragement to us is to resist the devil, firm in our faith. So Peter knows he's coming against your faith when this suffering comes. He's going to try to wiggle his way into all that suffering, all that pandemic, and wreck your faith. Okay? We need to be aware about this. We need to be aware that we have an enemy that is powerful and deceptive. um, And he makes no bones about what he is trying to do. Peter doesn't say that he's a deceptive snake in this passage which the devil is. He says he's a roaring lion. So when you're in suffering, he's going to make no bones about what he is trying to do. He's trying to destroy your faith with doubt, question, and an endless list of things that he can use to destroy your faith. So we have to be aware of this. We have to be aware of the enemy that we're going against. That is a reality. Next, the action of hope. The action of hope. Peter says, resist the devil, firm in your faith. In times like these, there are a lot of different areas that can be areas of temptation for us. Um, In isolation, there can be a lot of temptation there. Um, (laughs) In being disconnected from a community of believers, there can be a lot of temptation there. Um, and we have to figure out ways in this unique time to uniquely resist the devil's attacks. That's why we're doing something like we're doing right now, where we're teaching the Word. We're all under the mindset that we are together around the Word. That's resisting Satan. That is a proactive resist of what Satan may be trying to do in our hearts and lives. So we resist the devil. Firm in our faith. Firmly holding on to what we know. Right, I saw something uh, recently, and I've actually heard a lot of people talk about it recently, is when you don't know a lot of things and doubt starts to creep in and a lack of faith starts to creep in, when all the questions are there, that Satan can use to throw your faith to the wolves. Don't just worry about the questions that you don't know, the things that you don't know. Worry about what you do know. Firm in your faith. Even if it's just one truth, if everything in your life is in shambles, but you remember one truth from this word, You cling to that one truth with every fiber of your being. Firm in your faith, even if it's just one tiny piece of faith that you can remember. The glorious thing about the Christian life um, is that we're not ultimately holding ourselves. God holds on to his children, John Piper once said, even if it's just by their fingernails. He holds on to us, right? Um, he says, resist him, firm in your faith, knowing. Um, so this is the assurance of hope. So we have the action of hope. Resist, firm in your faith. Um, and then this, this assurance of hope helps our faith. So when, you, when life's crazy and you don't know what to think or know what to do, at least you know, you know this is true. Knowing the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by other people around the world. And probably even worse. Right? You're not alone in suffering. That's a very important point to remember um, when we're in suffering, when we're in a pandemic, when our lives are disorganized, when we're lonely, um, when all of these attacks from Satan come. Knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood all throughout the world. And also knowing that after you have suffered a little while, so you know that you're not the only one going through it, but you also know that your suffering is only for a little bit. Right? After you have suffered a little while, a little while, a very short amount of time, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So not only are you not the only one going through it, not only is the suffering only a little while, but the assurance of your hope is God himself. Right. He has called you, the God of all grace has called you to his eternal glory. Eternal glory of Christ. Eternal glory. And he will restore and confirm and strengthen and establish you on that day. All we have to do is get through a very finite amount of suffering. A very finite amount of questions. A very finite amount of disorganization and chaos that causes doubt in, in all of these things in our lives. Resist the devil firm in your faith because we have the assurance of our hope. Um, and then lastly, in verses 12 through 14, we see uh, that the assurance of our hope is not only uh, that we are not the only ones going through it, not only that it only happened, the suffering and and Life circumstances that are not so great will only happen for a short time. Not only do we have our hope in God himself, but also we have hope in God's word. So he says, By Silvanus, don't name your children that, a faithful brother as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. So Peter says, What I'm writing, what I'm telling you is the true grace of God of God. Now here's what you do. You take what he's written and you take the grace of God revealed to you in the whole of scripture and you stand firm in it. You grip it with all you have. You grip it with your mind. You grip it with your heart. You know it better than anything else that you know so that when the winds of doctrine come or the winds of suffering or of pandemic or of whatever happens in your life you're firm on the word because you know it and it changes your life and that is what our shepherds lead us in so the purpose of shepherds in our lives has a great effect on our posture in the world especially in this time of pandemic Um, so let's curate a humble attitude Toward our pastors. Um, it's kind of weird because I am one now. Um, so I don't know. That's just kind of weird to me still because I still feel like sometimes I feel like I'm still the kid in youth, um, but clearly I'm not. I'm old now. Um, but yeah, so create a humble attitude toward our pastors, um, listen to what they have to lead us through here. Um, And all of that will aid our posture in the world and our lives in the world. Alright, love you guys. Guys, I'll see y'all in the Zoom meeting Friday at 4. Girls, do your thing in y'all's Zoom small group meeting Saturday at 6. Later.